uh, great to have uh, your company as uh, usual uh, this uh, uh, Monday afternoon. Just to chat about science, nothing else. What a what a what a luxury! And uh, I'm d- uh, delighted to have in the studio uh, as normal. Well, he's not that normal. Is uh, Andrew Glester? Hello. Better fade up your fader. There oh. you go. Hi everyone. Uh, and Hi, and um, from last week, although I don't think they've been in the studio all week. I'm sure they haven't. Uh, Rosie McCallum and Aaron Moran. Hello. Hello. Hi. Yeah, it's great to have you uh, both back. And I should just say, you told us last week that you're doing a course at UWE and uh, that uh, you're interested in radio, and that brought you to get involved with us. And we've got the benefit of uh, of having you with us uh, over, over, the, over the next few weeks. That's great. So uh, welcome back to the show. Uh, and we've lost Hannah, but only oh. temporarily. Okay. I, don't know, I don't know where I left her. I put her down. I left her somewhere, and I can't find her there's, anymore. There's still Temporary. a microphone free, my Hannah, when you come back. There's still one here. <laughs> yes, good. So, no, we wish her well. And uh, just to remind you, too, we won't be on air next week. It's Easter Monday, so be looking forward to that. But uh, there won't be any love and science, but we'll be back the week after that. Anyway, that's far too much to remember. Um, what we're going to... Uh, the first story that we're going to look at this week uh, is all about volcanoes falling into the sea. And uh, apparently... Uh, Andrew asked a very interesting question a few minutes ago while we were waiting for the show to start, saying, what's behind it then? You know, does the, does the volcano sort of just tip over and disappear and yeah. uh, Sicily goes with it? This, we're talking about Mount Etna yes. in Sicily, and um, it's, uh, geologists have noticed that it's moving tiny amount, I think, isn't it? It's about 14, have I got this yeah, right, 14, 14 millimetres yeah, a year. Right. Yeah, which is not much. No. Not in a hurry. <laughs> no. No. So it's about a centimetre and a half. Yeah. Every Just every under that. About 1.4 centimetres. Yeah, 1.5 <laughs> centimetres. Let's get the science um, right. But of course, you know, uh, 100 years, that's quite a lot of movement. It is, over 100 years. I don't, I don't, so my question is, is there 1.4 millimetres per year of, I don't know what, behind it? The, the, the volcano is slipping down the hill. I can see what's happening in front of it. It's pushing land along, right? That's yeah, happening. Yeah. It's getting close to the sea. It's, it's on a slope. It's going down the slope. So what's happening behind it? Yeah. That's what I want to know. Yeah. So I'm going to go to Sicily and re- report. No, I'm not really. Um, no. <laughs> oh, wouldn't that be great? I wouldn't it? Yeah. We should go and ask for the budget for that. Yes. Yeah. Pat, are you listening? Yes, just pop over. <laughs> um, I, I once took a trip to Iceland... Oh. Uh, some some years ago, and um, uh, had the good fortune to go to uh, uh, an area called the Westerman Islands, and these uh, and, and and just off the coast we could see an island which was actually growing, and it was um, just uh, I, I, I take I'm using the right term it was magma boiling up from the seabed, you know, and just creating an island before our our very eyes mm-hmm. and actually the the area around there was the ground was hot and uh, you you only needed to dig down uh, two or three centimeters and you could feel that the ground was really hot so seeing these processes where you know volcanoes are growing uh, and and actually creating islands is quite amazing yeah. this is this is the opposite yeah, this is a volcano that's uh, that's uh, running away. Yeah. I don't know if either of you guys have uh, seen this story, uh, Rosie and and, and Aaron. Um, but uh, Mount Etna. Mount Etna. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
Yeah, okay. not Iceland, Mount Etna. I was confusing you there. Yeah, I don't. It's it's crazy. I think you think of the Earth as a very stable kind of, just um, yeah, static place, but it's it's really moving and alive and yeah, yeah, so dynamic. Yeah, 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 absolutely. It says that scientists have established. This is a story. Uh, I'm, I'm I'm looking at the the account in the BBC. Scientists have established that the whole structure of the Italian island of Sicily is edging in the direction of the Mediterranean Sea at 14 millimeters per year. The UK-led team says the situation will need careful monitoring because it may lead to increased hazards at uh, Etna in the future. Um, but um, it's moving because it's on uh, weak, pliable sediments, right? Yeah. Which makes me think. We were, as I say, we were, well, as Malcolm said, we were mm-hmm. talking before this came on. And Rosie, you said, "What's happening underneath with the yeah. with the magma?" I mean, what is this? Well, it, it, as it moves along? Is all the lava coming up from? I don't know where it comes yeah. from. Even I'm so rubbish at this. Can we talk about space? I know what I'm talking about. We can we'll talk, get to space very soon. But um, we need we need a volcanologist to yeah. tell us a little bit about this. Um, basically, they were saying there's a, 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 somebody called um, uh, Doctor uh, Murray, as uh, John Murray has been talking about this, and uh, he says, well, 14 millimeters a year is an average. It varies from year to year. He said, I guess the thing to watch is from 10 years' time, it's doubled. Yeah. Then we have to worry. If it's halved, there's not a lot to worry about. I see where he's going. So there you go. I mean, you know, we're not we're not we're not going to uh, get too excited then uh, yet about that. Um, Really sad story coming up here uh, about whales. Not about whales, the country. Whales, (laughs) the creatures. Beached whales die uh, en masse in Australia. So this is on the western coast of Australia. Uh, I know you've seen this story, Aaron. What did you, what did you make of it? I thought it was um, well, extremely sad, especially because it's happening quite often around the world and a lot of scientists still don't know why it's happening. Um, what, are, what are the sort of main theories that you've, you've come across? Um, have, uh, I'd say uh, the main ones were sort of like... In some cases, the whales are either ill or maybe certain conditions, like there's not enough food around or the temperatures are high or low, um, and that can affect their behaviour and maybe drive them towards so, I mean, So it's possible that whole pods of whales get sick with some kind of disease. Is that, is that one of the theories? Then? I think it's possible that certain groups get certain... Like there's sort of diseases and things that um, dolphins and things can get, and then because they communicate with each other so much and maybe some of them might go towards the um, the shore and then they communicate with others and that sends distress signals which causes other ones to get trapped in the same area um, and then you end up with a whole whole group of them. Yeah, I was also reading, um, talking about their communication, uh, a lot of the time that's disturbed by sonar signals that ships send out, yeah, so that yeah. could maybe be diverting their yeah. pathways. But there was another theory about how, because they're very social animals and they stay in their pods their whole lives, um, and how if maybe like a young whale accidentally gets uh, swept up onto the shore, another whale will go with it to try and help it. Yeah, yeah. So... Because they are incredibly social yeah, animals, yeah, aren't yeah. they? And they they protect, they try to mm. pr- pr- protect their young and so on. Yeah. Uh, it says 150 animals were found beached at Hamelin Bay, which is 300 kilometres south of uh, Perth, 180 miles south of Perth. Uh, and this was on Friday. A local fisherman found them, prompted a major rescue effort. 
to return them to deeper waters because uh, my understanding is that uh, whales in any case live in very deep they 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 like to live in very deep water yeah uh and that um uh, sadly, by nightfall, more than 140 of the whales had died with uh, deteriorating weather conditions and the threat of frenzied sharks impeding their efforts. So I was going to say that yeah. would force me onto the land as well. Yes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 100 volunteers, apparently, wildlife personnel and others came to aid the beached pilot whales. Uh, a species which is known to strand en masse. And as Aaron says, we don't know really uh, why that is uh, just, yeah. just on that sound the way the sound that travels in the water mm. it's, it's incredible I, was, I make I made a show last mm. summer called um, the dive tent right it was about the sounds in the sea so I spoke, spoke to lots of researchers who study um, the sounds of the sea mm. and th- th- there were sounds recorded in the Mariana Trench so the deepest part of the ocean and there's sounds recorded there. You can actually hear boats going overhead on the surface wow. because that's mm. how far sound will travel in water. Mm. It just travels yeah. really fast. Yeah. So if you water think is a very good conductor exactly. of sound. Yeah. And I, d- I, you know, I knew yeah. that, but I didn't think it went all the way yeah. down into yeah. the Yeah, no, that is, am- yeah. that is amazing. So if you think about that's coming down from the surface, then you've got sonar from all sorts of scientific equipment and submarines and things in the in the water then it must be very confusing for things that base their communication on sonar yeah it must be so loud it must be just like walking around with loads of sirens going off all the time yeah, yeah. just yeah. yeah so i i had a colleague uh, who, who once uh, was making a program uh, in the yangtze river in china and uh, they just put a microphone into the water uh, protect, uh, protected microphone, put it into the water, and uh, they said the 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 noise was incredible. Mm. Uh, that was coming off of all the boats and uh, yeah. everything, just mo- moving around. Mm. And of course, that's confusing yeah. to uh, aquatic animals. Yeah. 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 All right. Let's have a blast of uh, music then. Uh, and this, I think, is uh, Oliver. Uh, it's not Oliver, it's Elvis Costello and uh, it's always a a pleasure as I said to have your company but there are loads of uh, other uh, radio programmes of course that come out of uh, the wonderful BCFM and if you want to go to the BCFM website and uh, look at the schedule you'll see uh, all kinds of programmes that you can uh, listen to uh, to your heart's content including uh, this this show Uh, after us uh, we've got John Ford getting uh, Bristol home so stay tuned for the show after that and hopefully he's going to drop in and uh, join us before the show finishes Um, I'm joined uh, again this week as last week by Rosie and Aaron and we've got Andrew Glester back uh, to talk about uh, astronomical things in particular and the astronomical thing we're going to focus on for a couple of moments because there is is nothing particular that I can think of has happened on Mars except they're celebrating a kind of birthday yeah a sort of anniversary, 2,000 days of the Curiosity probe, yeah. or the Curiosity rover on, on Mars. 2,000 souls. Yes. Uh, 2,000 souls. souls. It's not, not souls, there aren't yes. 2,000 souls. Mm-hmm. Yes, Mar- Mars S-O-L-S. remains a planet almost entirely inhabited by robots, and yeah. uh, which we sent there. I should be clear about that. Yes. Um, <laughs> we didn't find them when we got there. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That would be strange. Yeah, but uh, yeah, so a Martian day is a, a soul. And it's what 
about 39 minutes longer than a, a, an Earth day. So it's not that much difference, about 2,000 no. and a bit days yeah. of uh, Earth days, and the Curiosity rover has been there. Now, I, the Curiosity rover, when it launched, I watched the launch. My daughter, Lyra, was one month old. And I sat and watched the launch with her, and I thought, this is going to be awesome. <laughs> I didn't for one second think it was going to be quite as awesome as it has been. What an incredible mission this Curiosity is. The landing on Mars, we all remember that, right? That incredible car-sized uh, lander yeah. being landed, yeah. uh, you know. And well, landing is a problem, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it really Mars. is a problem, because yeah. yeah, you're travelling incredibly fast when you yeah. get there. yeah. And you have to slow down because uh, the atmosphere isn't there as much as it is on Earth to slow you down. So you have to fire your rocket boosters to slow you down as you land. And then this that's what they did. And then they landed it with a parachute down on, on the Martian surface. It didn't look like it was going to be possible. It was. And then since then, it's been giving us the most amazing science and the most amazing images. There's a story on the BBC, Curiosity Rover, 2,000 Days on Mars, which just takes a selection of the images sent back by Curiosity Rover to Earth, selected by the scientists on the mission that have been their favourites. I'll pick out my favourites because that's more important than them. Uh, and where can you get those from again? It's on the BBC website. Right, OK. Um, my particular favourite, I think, when it came through, I can't remember, it was uh, 16 souls after London. They started um, driving around and they sent back an image of pebbles on the surface of Mars. Pebbles mm. being round rocks. Rocks mm. being round because water has moved ah, along. Yeah. But, but as, if you can imagine a rock rolling around in a river, yeah. that's why they become pebbles. Yeah. So at some point they will yeah. moving around the Martian surface. Yeah. Underwater. underwater. Or most likely. Yeah. Yeah. We can, yeah. yeah. Quite possibly not. Yeah. But uh, the most mm. likely chance is that what we need to do is send real people there. With mm. spades to find out. <laughs> and, um, possible uh, river. Yeah, yeah, possible river. The I other, the, there was another. Sorry, there no, was no. another one which was uh, uh, a lake bed. They dug, dug down into the lake bed because before that we'd had uh, the high rise mission, which was looking at the Martian surface from orbit, and it looked it it was mapping the surface, and you could kind of tell some things, but you don't know until you get down on the surface and sort of dig down into it to actually know what it's made of. And when they dug down below the surface of what looked like a lake bed, they discovered that it was in fact a lake bed. And um, digging down under it, they found clays organics and nitrogen-bearing compounds showing us that it had been a habitable environment for microbial life. Whether it was or not, we still don't know. But, I do, you know, it's, I, I just think it's hard, it's really hard to think, for me, to think that before Curiosity we didn't actually know those things. No. We, it feels like we've always known that there was water on Mars, but we really yeah. didn't. Yeah, it's um, absolutely astonishing. How Do you have a sense of how big the Curiosity probe is? I, I think it's about the size of a car. I always like to think of it about the size of a camper van, because I've got a camper van, and I like to drive around and <laughs> pretending I'm on Mars. Yeah. And uh, so I like to pretend it's about that big. But I think it's... I, d I don't know. I, d I don't know exactly. Yeah, I should do really, but it's around that. Yeah. I know cars is, cars are all sorts of different sizes, aren't they? Was it the Curiosity rover that found ice on Mars? Did it find ice or like evidence of? Yeah, I think ice so. Ice or something. Yeah, 
I don't, well, yes, I, I guess it was. I dare say it was. I mean, there are a few things we've yeah. got there. Um, there's clouds as well. I yeah. mean, Martian clouds. <laughs> That's just awesome, isn't it? I just, I, Mars is incredible. And I really want to go there, but I'm not allowed because um, I haven't got millions of pounds and stuff. But if I did, I'd, 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 it, it's a weird thing, this. If I went to Mars, I'd go and find Curiosity. Do you know what I mean? It's so awesome mm. that uh, if I went to Mars, I'd want to go and find... Curious the, about Curiosity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, because uh, this conversation could go on for... Uh, a the long, rest of my uh, life. The rest <laughs> of our life, and it's very interesting. Uh, but I'm going to bring a friend of yours in, oh, cool. Andrew, because I'm pretty sure we've got Maddie Nichols on the line. Have we, Maddie? Oh. That's, uh... Hi, Maddie, can you hear me? Oh, the oh. dread! This is the dread thing that happens to us on this show, is that uh, we think we've got a guest, and they aren't actually. We can't actually hear them. Uh, uh, I don't think we have Maddie. If you can hear me, if you could call through again, I'd be really grateful. Sorry about that. Okay. Right. So I will disconnect. My phone. We'll wait and see if Maddie can call back uh, 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 on us again. And uh, we'll just keep. Uh, I tell you what, we're going to do. We're going to play some music. Good okay. And then we'll come back uh, to the Curiosity Probe. Uh, Maddie, who's a friend of uh, Andrew's and, and uh, is on your um, Cosmic Shed podcast, where you talk uh, very often, talk about, or mostly. Oh, here we go. Oh. I tell you what, uh, you can all listen to this if you want. I'm going to. Uh, See how we get on. Hi, Maddie. Can you hear me? Yeah. Oh, very good. Yes, I'm going to try and connect you again. Okay, hopefully it's going to work. All right, here we go. So, I know what to do. I have to press various buttons. There we are. And hang up. And then um, I'm going to see uh, if Maddie's there. And hopefully she will be. By the mystery and magic of radio. Hi, Maddie. Can you hear me? Oh no, I can't hear you. Are you on Mars, Maddie? Yes, I bet she. I bet she is. It's the kind of things you do, you yeah. Know. That's that's <laughs> that, that's how it goes. Well, um, that's incredibly sad. We did everything within our power. We followed all the instructions. We pressed all the buttons. And uh, Maddie's going to talk to us um, all about what's going on at the Paralympic uh, Games uh, in uh, Korea. And uh, it looks like she's not going to be able to. Uh, just let me see. Uh, if you bear with me, good listener, because um, I know that you're very patient if you listen to this show, I'm going to try uh, press a couple more buttons here. Um, but no, I just don't think it's going to happen. So, uh, no, it doesn't work. So big, big shame that. Uh, we're very, very sorry we were able, unable to bring Maddie Nichols uh, to you, but uh, she's very gracious and she said, well, don't worry, uh, I'm going to be on the show, not next week, because there isn't a show next week, but the show uh, after that. So uh, we will uh, be able to uh, speak to Maddie. And in the meantime, uh, we will uh, we'll get all the technical buds out and we'll fix the phones. Yes. Ma Maddie's just sent a message to say she's really enjoying the music on the show. Is she? And uh, she'll also be, if people want to know about it, sooner than we can bring it to you in a couple of weeks, she'll be on BBC Points West tonight talking about the work she did. Ah, 
Oh, wow. Sure. Well, that's, uh, that, that would have been a scoop together, wouldn't it? We're scooped points west. <laughs> what about that? <laughs> we'll yeah, get a more in-depth interview the, in a couple the of weeks. peak of my career, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, um, uh, we were talking just, be- just before uh, the debacle, the phone debacle, uh, uh, all about uh, Mars and uh, the uh, Curiosity Probe. In fact, um, I think within a week of the um, Curiosity Probe landing on Mars, uh, we managed to get the controller uh, on this show. Ah. Uh, and uh, we talked to her by phone. Wow. Because in, in those <laughs> days, the phone worked. Uh, and um, we, we, we were able to uh, talk to her, and she explained that they, have, that they were actually working in Martian days. Oh, OK. So you oh. said it's just over half an hour yeah. longer than Earth Day. So yeah. after, <clears throat> after a little while, obviously after they'd been doing that for sort of like 12, 12 days, they were well, completely they were the, wrong, oh, the yeah. other way around to us, yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. So uh, the, the other thing is, there's, there's 668 souls. That's 684 Earth days in yeah. the Martian year. So that's just because it takes a lot longer to get around the sun. Yeah. And I just like talking about that because it's cool. Yeah. And also, it makes me sound like I'm reading The Martian by Andy Weir, which I like to do <laughs> on a regular basis. So um, this is what I, I wanted to ask you about this. If, for example, um, well, no, not for example, if we were able to uh, colonize Mars, let's say in some magic way we were able to give it, some scientific way, yeah. we were able to give it uh, an atmosphere, yeah. because otherwise life would be very uncomfortable. Yeah. How, what would be the fundamental differences do you think we would, we would experience with life on Mars? So now we can breathe the air, let's yeah. say we've, we've fixed that, um, but there aren't any there are no rivers running no. that we that we know of. We'd yeah. have to figure out ways to warm the planet up, maybe, and yeah. maybe there's there's enough uh, water that uh, yeah. to, it'll get flowing. I think again. one of the main problems I think with Mars is that it's so small that it's, yeah. its core isn't sufficiently um, dense and spinning enough to create a significant enough um, magnetic field around it to yeah. deflect the solar winds. So right. when we see the northern lights and the southern lights, the aurora around our skies, that's because the huge solar winds are sending particles out into space from the sun. They're colliding with our um, uh, uh, magnetic field, uh, which is acting as a sort of barrier, really, a sort of shield. And then uh, what's happening with the aurora, the aurora is that those particles then fly around and hit the poles, the magnetic poles at the north and south, and then interact with our... Um, atmosphere at the top by which time they've slowed down etc been deflected off into space that sort of thing that isn't happening on mars so all of that stuff that's coming off the sun is colliding with the martian surface and stripping away its atmosphere because it does still have a little bit of atmosphere it's mm. got clouds so of mm. course it has but it's losing it at quite a rate and we'd have to find a way of making sure that that atmosphere stayed on in order mm. to hold on to well the atmosphere and everything in it mm. which is you know, when when you see pictures of the Earth from space and we see that incredibly thin atmosphere and we understand how important that is for us, yeah, it's a really big, really big problem. Yeah, if you, you want to colonise Mars, I was yeah. talking to a guy uh, the other day, Nathan Meyervold, who is um, the former C- chief technology officer of Microsoft and a former student of uh, Stephen Hawking, and um, he said he's not going to reserve his place on Mars until Antarctica's full because that's a much easier place to live 
Antarctica is an yeah. easier place to live. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. 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 But so we've got the we've got we've got we've given it an atmosphere. It warms up. Hopefully, water starts to flow. Maybe things start to grow uh, because of that. Uh, the gravity would be different, wouldn't it? Yeah, we would really feel that. Yes. Do you think human beings would be damaged by that? Now, in other words, because we we wouldn't need to put so much effort into what we do, it might weaken us, wouldn't it? It, it might. I don't know that I would necessarily rush to the word damaged. I think changed, yeah, but not necessarily damaged. Like, yeah. Did you see the story about the um, what are they called? The twins. Uh, the astronaut twins. Yes. And one, the one who's been in space, his DNA has changed while he's been in space. Mm. He was in space mm. for a year and his DNA changed. Wow. Mm. I mean, that is, that's science fiction right there. Isn't it, it is. But real. Um, so, yeah, I mean, they, there's, obviously we have all these experiments. One of the major experiments on the International Space Station is the people. Um, the stuff that's happening to the people is the experiments. They're doing science experiments as well. But what's happening to their bodies is, is we're studying that for the future of space travel and possibly being on Mars. Mm. And obviously the, uh, the um, uh, gravity is not the same on the International Space Station as it is on Mars. But uh, there's all sorts of um, studies that go on on planet Earth where they uh, recreate um, the, the level of gravity that it would be on Mars and things, and mm. see what pressures that puts on or mm. takes off the human body. Now, I like I like to ask this of people. So, this is a question for Aaron and Rosie. If you got the chance to go to Mars, would you go? Well, it would be a one-way mission, wouldn't it? There'd be no no coming back. Yeah. Well, so, that's uh, one. That's one <laughs> one possibility. This is the Elon I mean, Musk it, obviously, approach. it's I, it's it would be so incredible and different to what what you know on earth mm. and oh, I, I just couldn't i couldn't just dedicate the rest of my life to go going there though. no it would be it'd be colossal yeah. social yeah, thing yeah. wouldn't it you know you would have to say goodbye to all your friends yeah. and, and family that that would be very 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 hard all right so you can come back imagine oh, imagine yeah. imagine yeah. that so you go for like a year yeah. would you go oh yeah definitely mm. <laughs> yeah like going into yeah. space Taking a gap year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a gap year. What about yeah. you? Would you would, now? Would you do the one way thing, Aaron? Um, I wouldn't do the one way thing just because um, there's well, there's not really much up there at the moment in terms of what you do on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah. Mostly, be just be um, trying to survive, I guess. <laughs> yes. Yes. Which is um, uh, which is hard enough. Yeah. Not that um, different to here then. <laughs> <laughs> but then just uh, I suppose you just pop there for. Few months that'd be good. Yeah, be ideal. <laughs> if you but if you could get things to grow, you know, you imagine because mm -hmm. you. I, my guess is you'd you'd have to start putting up because people. I mean, people are actually planning to do this. Uh, you'd have to put up sort of like huge greenhouse type things and start using the Martian soil and irrigate it, and you know, get, you you'd need to encourage the production of water and so on. Um, it would be fascinating for for biologists and environmentalists mm. like yourselves. That, wouldn't that, it? that was the whole plot of the Martian, wasn't yeah. it? Just growing yeah. potatoes. Yes, Matt Damon can do it. Yeah. Yes, <laughs> yes. I'm not sure it was wise of you to raise <laughs> with Andrew sitting here. You so know. I was going to say, it's yeah. like pressing the button <laughs> <laughs> or lighting the touch paper. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, but that, I mean, like, okay, let's go there, right? Listen. So that, if you haven't read the Martian or seen the film, do because the Andy Weir who. 
I've spoken to on several occasions is what he did, he's a massive science nerd, right? What he did, he was sitting at home and he was thinking, well, if we did make a mission to Mars, what would we have to do to do that? And then he thought about all the problems that you could have and subjected one character to it. And that is The Martian. And everything in the book of The Martian is, uh, has been checked to the nth degree because he's a massive science nerd. There's probably some mistakes in it and he'll admit them himself. But um, if you've got any interest in this kind of space travel stuff and you haven't read The Martian, I don't know what you've been doing, get yourself to a bookshop now. That's that's all I'll say. Oh, and right. oh, not to do spoilers, but I think you can get back. Oh, <laughs> that's true. You can get back from Mars. But that, that trip good between news. spacecraft is pretty hairy. Yeah, just I being think. shot yeah. into space. Yeah. yeah. I don't think I'd launch with just a tent on top of me either. That would yeah. be. No. Yes, yeah, they did that. This is what they did in the film. Yeah. Was it? They, they had a mm. tent. Yes. Yeah. Would that? I mean, I can't. Would that work? I mean, um, I, do, I want to say yes. I, yeah. I, like the, the logic behind it, obviously, is that the atmosphere isn't as dense, so something like uh, that yes, would hold course. better than it would yes. on planet Earth. Yes. But so one of the things used to baffle me as a child, I never did understand why, when you saw rockets, go, you know, they, were, they would anim- somehow uh, uh, show you a rocket coming into the atmosphere, and it would always heat up and sometimes burst into flames or something mm-hmm. like that. You think, well, where's the heat coming from? Mm-hmm. And, of course, it's this invisible, the atmosphere is invisible to us, mm-hmm. but it's still a thing. And if you're travelling through it very, very fast, mm-hmm. you create friction, yeah. and that's where the that's where the heat comes from. And uh, yeah, you're right. Uh, the Martian atmosphere is so thin. Maybe something as simple as a bit of tarpaulin could <laughs> yeah, yeah. get you through temporarily yeah. uh, when you were taking off. Yeah. Only one way to find out, I suppose. Let's go. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> have a camping trip. It'll be, uh, be the Love and Science uh, summer trip. <laughs> uh, one year. All right. Um, so um, let's have, we're going to have a little bit more uh, music. This is uh, Gabrielle Applin. And uh, uh, we're going to talk about uh, another um, uh, atmosphere. Uh, um, astronomical thing the uh, the visitor the strange visitor that we had uh, earlier this year and you're lis- listening to love and science on bcfm um now we 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 were talking about being on mars and uh, the fact that it's 2000 uh, uh days or souls as andrew calls them uh since uh, and as astronomers call yes yeah, not just me it's not just you <laughs> not just one of your weird things <laughs> that you do <laughs> Yes, what do you wear? Socks? No, I call them <laughs> clingy cloths. Um, Don't uh, reveal that. <laughs> uh, and so we were we were talking about that, and now we've got a, 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 this. We're going back to this strange. It's sort of slightly sinister. This and I, and all the language that's used to report it is a bit sinister. It's about that cigar-shaped asteroid uh, that came into the uh, solar system uh, just a few uh, months ago, a couple of months ago. And uh, it's got a name. It's called, we think it's called, anyway, Oumuamua. That sounds about right. If only there was someone who was half a wine in the it's, studio. If only we did. It. Now, <laughs> do, can we find such a creature? Yes! We've got Aaron. Oh, I was oh. just joking about that. <laughs> <laughs> See, we called you on it. We called you. Uh, so the, so uh, the reason it's called a Muamua is because it was found crossing the solar system uh, last October by robotic telescopes which were on, situated on Hawaii. Have you been to Hawaii? 
No. Yeah, no, no. Not no, even no. being there. You <laughs> yeah. see, and we attribute yeah. it to Hawaiianness to him. Yeah. Anyway, Oumuamua does sound right, so I kind of agree with that. Um, the, traje- blah, blah, blah. the trajectory showed that it had come from another star system and was already on its way back into interstellar space. So the thing about this uh, asteroid is that it isn't uh, unlike most of the asteroids that we see, they actually come from an asteroid belt in our own solar system. This one has come from, well, who knows where. And uh, there is a, this story is partly about uh, trying to figure out where, where it has come from. Yeah, it's awesome. I should say Umuamua is, uh, means scout in Hawaiian. Okay. Because it's come as a scout, like from the other ah, right. I thought it was just because it was the Hawaiians who found it. No. no. Well, partly. But hmm. um, So, I believe that what they've discovered is that it is highly likely that this asteroid came from a binary star system. So, a system with two stars, two suns, like Tatooine. Or oh, yes, like and Star and, Wars, <laughs> yes. And... and uh, the reason for that is they've done some studies, they've done some modelling, computer modelling of it, and seen why, what, how, how that would happen. That something could be sent out into the universe at such a rate that it would cross another solar system the way that this one has done. If you think about the vast distances between stars, it needs to be sent out pretty quickly in order to travel at the rate that it has across our solar system. And the thinking is... If I can just clarify, I think, I'll try. The thinking is that there, it, where there's a single star, then the orbits are fairly, fairly, relatively understandable in the sense that they will come, that, that, that the asteroids in our solar system are not going to be sent out into space because the pull of our planets and uh, our sun. So our when you look at it. its path, you yeah. can see that it's going to stay yes. inside the solar system. Yeah. Right. Because it's being, that makes sense. being held in, if you like, yeah. by the gravity of these things. Yeah. Now, in the formation of our solar system, it was a bit more chaotic than that, but it still would be held in by uh, the gravity of the sun at the centre of that, fo- that, that forming young solar system whereas if there were two stars orbiting around each other you can imagine that the gravity in that is and the orbits on that is going to be much more chaotic and then it can be possible that something like this would be thrown out out of the orbits of both of those stars and out into interstellar space which is where this has come from which is just really really lovely the other thing to remember when we've when we when you're thinking about that is that this Uh, It has a reddish colour, and the reason why it has a reddish colour, it's proposed very strongly, is that it is covered in organic matter, the building blocks Ah. of life. So somewhere between a binary star system and our solar system, it has either lost an awful lot of or picked up some of the building blocks of life out there in the universe. I mean, if if we could confirm that, that would be incredible, wouldn't yeah. it? But of course, with this particular mm-hmm. asteroid, it's gone now. It's gone. I mean, we Do you, <laughs> we it, don't actually have a hope no, we of can't. Getting, catching up to it. Um, but but it has sort of. Uh, I don't know if this is true to say this, but it's it's, it's it's certainly my understanding. It's thrown up some more studies, which have which demonstrate that there could be something like ten thousand more of these interstellar asteroids right between us and neptune that we just haven't seen yet they just to be clear this is the one the only one 
that we've ever seen. Yeah. But from doing modelling, they think that there could be as many as 10,000 out there. If there are, then that gives us the opportunity to go and visit them, send uh, spacecraft to them the way we did with the Rosetta mission landing on a comet. We could do that with an asteroid. And that's, uh, that's just really, 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 really awesome. I yeah. love it. Yeah. So much. It yeah, makes me it, so happy. It, it, it really is. And, and um, of course, we may well have seen others, uh, but just not known what they yeah. were, because we, we, it's only now that we're really able to detect these yeah. things. Yeah. yeah. Have you ever, no, sorry to go off on science fiction again, but have you ever read uh, Rendezvous with Rama by no. uh, okay, Arthur C. Clarke? So, uh, in that, there is something that's shaped almost exactly like this, which everybody on Earth thinks is uh, just an, an interstellar asteroid. And when they land on it, they discover that inside it is a, uh, a, a, an alien yeah. civilization. So yeah. it's a real shame that, that, that it's gone. <laughs> we can't go and find it now. And a lot of the press, of course, uh, took that angle with this story, yeah, yeah, didn't they? They said, yeah. well, could it be an alien spacecraft? Yeah. So, well, it could, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> if, you, if you want, anything could be anything, yeah. really, yeah. When, we, when we don't know about it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. It could that also a, be yeah. an actual cigar. It could be, a, yes, a giant yeah. cigar, yeah. yes. Yeah. Smoked by a giant space alien, <laughs> yes. <laughs> that would explain why it was mainly black with a little bit of red. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, well, look, we're racing towards the end of the show, and uh, that's a terrible link into a driverless car <laughs> oh, story. No. Uh, because uh, you'll know there was a very, very sad uh, incident uh, where... Um, uh, Elaine Hertzberg in uh, uh, Tampa in Arizona last week uh, was killed, uh, we think, in the first um, accident. Uh, well, I say we think. We know she was killed, but she was killed by... Uh, that it was caused by... Um, the car, uh, ra rather than the, the autonomous aspects of the car, rather than uh, uh, the driver. And uh, so uh, all tests uh, for Uber have been, Uber's autonomous cars have been stopped. Uh, I don't know, wh have any of you been in a driverless car? Anybody here? No. I haven't ever been in one. Would, <laughs> would you? Would you get in one? Um, at the moment, probably not. Because <laughs> I saw on I saw on the gadget show where there's like how close it sort of like gets to the, the side of the road. And she was in like a race car, yeah. And they, they get very close to the side of the road and things. I don't think they've quite got the sensors fully yeah. figured out yet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So would you, Rosie? Yeah, I would. I think um, it's really sad. This woman died, but um, she she was cycling at night when the car hit her. So I mean, I don't know. Surely in like other cars, like that's dangerous as well but, yes. but it is, it's still sad but, it is, um, yes of course I don't know. Uh, uh, but but uh, I, w I thought that the driverless cars you know yeah. they, do, they don't just use vision, just vision but they've yeah, got exactly. all kinds of other yeah. sensors that they're, they're better than the best drivers yeah. well yeah. that's the thing isn't it that the, the sensors don't see in the light no. they use lidar mm. so it's yeah. not, the light yeah. has nothing to do with it yeah. and the sensors as far as I don't know but as far as we can tell I think that the sensors worked on the car and it was something that went wrong with the computer or the way yeah. that they did it yeah. Yeah. But, but what also went wrong and I don't want to you know get legal about it but there was a driver in it yes you know there was yeah. a driver who could override it yes and so 
it's not it's not in no to think of it as oh these are really dangerous things these self driverless mm. cars yeah. because there's a, a car with nobody in it that crashed into something no what yeah. happened was a car that was self driving and had an awful lot more safety things on it yeah. and also had a driver in it yeah. still Absolutely. caused the accident Absolutely and we're joined by John Ford who's going to be getting Bristol home after the news so you stay uh, uh, for John after after the news would you go in a driverless car no <laughs> no no. no. Why, but why? Because you just well, think it's okay, just well. Maybe, your maybe life in the future the we will all go in driverless cars. I mean, yeah. have you been to Gatwick Airport? We go in the driverless shuttle from one terminal to the other, don't yeah, we? Yeah, yeah. Don't worry about that. Yeah. But that's on a monorail, and there's nothing else behind it, or in front of it, or to yeah. the side of it. But no, I don't think so. Not at the moment, because there's been so many accidents. Um, I, I wouldn't trust the technology. Maybe in the future. Yeah. Yeah. Well, apparently, this is the only accident known of. Where the There's car been a few no, caused by the car. That's the, that's what's caused the buzz. You see, this. this is the thing, right? So but risk risk management is a, is a really interesting thing, yeah. isn't it? And that, but people. Uh, I'm not having a go at you, John. I'm just Can if you like. Um, <laughs> but people, if there's an earthquake, people get in a car and drive away, whereas you're far more likely to be killed in a car accident than you are by a secondary strike of an earthquake. And I, if you think about the number of deaths that there are on the roads with normal cars. I, it, it doesn't. It, the sort of the risk of it doesn't really work for me. It's just we've got an irrational fear, I think, of the driverless car thing when it's actually supposed to be far more safe. It's all about chance, isn't it? Mm. I mean, I've got a book at home of useless information. More people uh, at the time of writing of the book had been kicked to death by a donkey in Peru than had actually died in a car accident in Peru. <laughs> okay. But you know. Yeah, it's it uh, about you know horses for courses. Uh, I suppose. I'm sorry, it's a very poor pun. I'm so sorry, guys. <laughs> we've all suddenly run out, run out of time. So, uh, but stay tuned for John Ford uh, after the news and uh, getting Bristol home. It's been great to have your company uh, from Rosie, from Aaron, Andrew, and me, Malcolm Love. Have yourselves a very good evening, and we'll talk to you again after Easter. Have a very good Easter. Bye. Bye.